Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. We've been looking at 2 Kings. So we'll go to 2 Kings chapter... Let me see. Um, let's bear with me. So Second Kings chapter six. <clears throat> um, can somebody because we've been studying Second Kings chapter six and we are we um just for inclusion and for those who were not here last time. We are going to read from verse 8 um, down to, let's read it down from Second uh, Kings chapter 6 from verse 8. Down to 18. No, sorry. Let's read down to 20. Just for understanding of the context or the background of the story. And then we'll take us, we'll continue our story. Second Kings chapter 6, from verse 8 down to 20. Um, Bethel, can you read for us? Second King 6, verse 8 to 20. Now the king of Aaron was at war with Israel. After he had his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such a place, in such a place. The man of went to the king of Israel. He went in that place with the army and government. The king of Israel kept on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of the of king, the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, "Tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel." <laughs> None of us, my lord, the king. Officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king every word you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king orders, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The seven asked. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Those who are with us, those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, 
Strike hit this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked. There they were inside Samaria. Okay. So, we were looking at this story last week, and we will do a small recap of what we discussed. We were studying, we started studying from verse 8, um, and like we know, the stories in scripture vehicles or should i say they are um divine illustrations given to us to draw spiritual lessons from and that's why as interesting as the story is um we always trust god and trust the holy spirit to open up our understanding to look at the story and apply the lessons we can draw from those stories to our present lives so that the word of god will be meaningful the word of god will be applicable and the word of god will be real as we read it so week was it the week before sorry we were we we speak at that story and the first thing we talked about there was that the king of syria was making war against israel and i remember we by god's grace we looked at it and tried to apply what was going on there with our own christian experience <clears throat> so this can um, can one of the children help us just to touch on about last time so if you made notes um, can you just um, refer to your notes and share with us what we talked about last time we were studying this? Just it will give us a background, or should I say, a platform from which to continue. So just unmute yourselves if you want to share, and um, we can make progress. Yes. Yes, please. Can you volunteer, or should I do the vo should I help you volunteer? <laughs> yes, can somebody from the Salido family help us? Okay, I think I will I will help somebody volunteer. Regine, I know you are there. Oh, okay. you are the first. You see, I think I knew you'd be the one in front. That's good. So can you go to your notes, please, and share with us what we what you jotted down as some gleanings we can get from the lesson. Last week. 
So we see that God, in his mercy, will warn through the man of God, warn the king of Israel so that they will not be defeated. And that principle has not changed, even for us up till now. That God has given us the tricks, or should I say, exposed to us the tricks, the mechanism of the enemy, so that we can beware. So that we will, we, we, we too will also take note the way Elisha was warning the king of Israel here. And inadvertently, as he was the king of Israel, he was saving the whole nation. He was saving Israel from defeat. And God has still not changed his principle. God is still warning us through his word. Except we decide to ignore that word. God is still warning us up to today to beware. And I remember last time we talked about some simple principles, some things the word of God says as a warning to us so that we will escape the trap of the enemy. We gave examples last week. So can some can you can some of the children help us please? What are the examples of the word of God that warns us so that we can we can watch and not fall prey to the wicked one? Examples of scriptures, please. Yes. Second um, Timothy two twenty two says, "Fear uh, the evil desires of youth, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of the pure heart." Mm. So that's a warning, very clear, and that warning applies to all of us. I know they were talking to uh, Paul was writing to Timothy there, so. The young ones among us, the youths, have to take note. But I too have to take note. I might not be a youth, but it's that principle, that word, applies to me. Flee youthful lusts, but pursue. There are some things you are meant to pursue there. Hmm? Abigail, what did you say? Righteousness. Righteousness, yes. Faith. Faith. And what? Love and peace. Love, peace, purity, all those things. We need to pursue it. It is not just enough to flee youthful lusts. The Bible is saying, as you flee youthful lusts, you need to pursue something. Because you see, you cannot flee youthful lusts and just run away from it on its own. As you are running away from it, you are also giving yourself a purpose by pursuing righteousness, by pursuing holiness, by pursuing peace, faith. And even in that instruction, in that scripture, it says you should do it along with those 
who love God. So those things are specific warnings for our own lives. The same way the man of God was warning the king of Israel. The enemy has set his trap here. Don't go there. The same way God is also warning us. So that we can survive in these last days. So that we can keep pleasing God all the time. Now, and you know, the glory, or should I say, the, the mercy of God is that even if, even if, even if you fall by the trap of the enemy, all hope is not lost. You can still get up. Even if you fall and you misbehave, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you can still get up, recover, run to God in mercy, ask for forgiveness, and keep running your race. The enemy wants you to fall and not get up. Do you remember that scripture? I think we quoted it last time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. So even if you fall, God is saying, Stand, get up. Don't stay down. And the reason, we've discussed it before, I think. The reason why God will always come and forgive you is because He wants you to stand for Him. He doesn't want you to remain a captive of the wicked one. And I trust that the Lord will help us as we keep these instructions close to our hearts. So let's continue with our study. Um, so going to that second Kings I know we, we looked we talked about verse 9 and I remember we said in that verse 10 the Bible says then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him thus he warned him and he was watchful there not just once or twice so beloved brethren I just want to say looking at that verse 10 that God's instructions to us on how to beware is not instructions only for a generation you see when you follow those instructions of being of 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 taking notes and being aware of the tricks and devices of the enemy those instructions do not only apply to the 21st century. If Christ tarries in the 22nd, the 23rd, the 24th century, these instructions are very applicable. It has not changed and it will not change. If you notice that scripture there in verse 10, it says, Thus he warned him. And he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Every instruction, every scripture, the word of God 
um, speaks to our heart. These instructions, they are applicable for generations and generations to come. It's not only... I've heard people say, oh, you know, the Bible is for those days. Those instructions are for those days. We are living in a different generation. Excuse me. Do not allow the enemy deceive you that the Bible is only for those days. The word of God is applicable even to today. And it will always be applicable. It does not lose its relevance. Every warning the Holy Spirit gives you on how to keep your life on how to walk the narrow way to heaven. Those instructions are applicable even for generations to come. They do not expire. Those is these instructions, the word of God, God is giving us, does not have a best before date. The word of God. Is from generation to generation. Is the mind of God to mankind. If you want to know how God thinks, is in the word of God. And because God is everlasting, his word is also everlasting. It does not expire, like I said. It does not have a shelf-like date. So many things in this world have expiry dates. So many. Like you know, some of you carry the latest iPhone, is it not? Excuse me. Am I communicating? You are carrying the latest iPhone. Give it another. I remember when iPhone 7 came out. People are jumping. Hey, iPhone 7. <laughs> I think uh, it'd be the iPhone 13. Uh, you see, we have reached iPhone 13 now. Very soon, if you carry iPhone 13, you will look old. They will tell you, excuse me, I, are you not moving on with the times? You are carrying iPhone 13. That is old. We are now using virtual phones. We don't need to carry a physical phone on our hand. All I need to do is carry an earpiece and I can talk to whoever I want to talk to. I don't need to be dialing a number on a physical phone. That's where the world is going to. So very soon you will be outdated by carrying a physical phone. What am I saying? I'm only saying that the, the things, a lot of things will keep changing in the world. But the word of God does not change. You see, these instructions we are reading on how to keep following God. They do not expire. They will be relevant if God grants you grace and Christ studies. Some of you will have great grandchildren. This word of God we are reading, we apply to them as well. And I'm praying that you will have faith in your heart to believe the word of God you are reading. So when the Bible says, Flee youthful loss. It's not just for now. When the Bible says pursue righteousness, holiness, it's not only 
for now that scripture applies through your lifetime so if you are going to live 18 something years that word of God still applies to you if you are 90 I pray God gives you understanding so when the Bible said he warned him and he was watchful and I thank God for this king at least he listened he was watchful and that is the instruction to us as well we too need to be watchful we need to be watchful in our generation we need to pray watch and pray so that we will not fall into temptation you need to keep a close guard on your heart that the events happening in the world will not weigh you down so that you now lose faith in the Jesus you are following now let's move to Valevo the Bible says verse 11 therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this and he called his servants and said to them will you show me or will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel wonderful the king of Syria was disturbed how come all my plans are being revealed to the king of Israel every battle strategy I make every battle decision I, I put in place is always thwarted and discovered by the king of Israel. Why? One of you must be a spy. That was the that was his challenge. One of you, he was talking to his servants and his soldiers. Imagine it. He gathered his own military commanders and they had a high-level powered military strategic meeting and as the meeting started you know the announcer at the meeting will just get up and say let's welcome the king of syria and as the king of syria comes in he doesn't even sit down he carries the microphone in anger can you imagine it and he says who out of you all here is a spy <laughs> you can imagine because the Bible said the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. How come all his devices, all his plans are being revealed to the enemy? Why? Greatly troubled. And do you know, even the enemy, every time you obey God, eh? every time you obey the word of God, and you sleep from his devices you don't you don't allow yourself to be caught his heart is troubled he's always disturbed that the devil can never be happy when you obey god when you obey god he's not smiling and saying well you know it's a nice it's a nice one it's, it's a game don't worry well done the devil is never happy and i'm praying you see my sincere prayer now is oh god can you help me that my life is a constant trouble 
to the wicked one. That my obedience to you constantly will continually be a trouble, a headache for the enemy. I'm praying that you pray that prayer. That your love for God, your passion for Jesus, you just, you just love God and you don't want to upset him, you want to obey him. That that type of lifestyle on its own will be a constant trouble to the wicked one. Don't allow your life make the devil happy. I pray you understand what I'm saying. Don't allow it that you know the truth of the word of God, but because you you don't want to obey it. And once you don't obey it, the devil is smiling, is happy. He said, yes, here's somebody who has refused to follow the instructions of his Savior. And he's excited. Don't give him that opportunity to be excited over your life. And look at the question. You know, when he was troubled, when he was disturbed, he thought the king of Syria was disturbed. Ah, all my plans are being thwarted. Will you show me which of you or which of us here is for the king of Israel? Typical devil. Because he's a liar, he's a cheat, he's a betrayer, he will always think somebody else wants to betray him. But we are not talking, we are not focusing on the devil today. Let's put major on him. There's no need. Let's put that the word of God. Verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my Lord. Okay. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Ah, wonder. You see, that servant was only telling the king the truth. He said, nobody is a spy. Nobody is a spy here. The very words in your bedroom, the dark secrets of your heart, all your plans that you, before you even say it, <laughs> Elisha, the prophet of God, who is in Israel, he will go and tell the king, you don't need to organize a high-powered secret conference before your secret is known. Before in your before you even say the secret, <laughs> your, your, it's already revealed. And beloved brethren, I pray you understand the God you are serving. I pray you you understand that the God you are serving is a revealer of secrets. Let's look at the word of God. Go to, do you, let's go to Daniel first. Do you remember the story of Daniel? When Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in Daniel 2. It was very interesting. And Nebuchadnezzar 
was asking the magicians, the astrologers, the wise men in his kingdom. He gave them a task. He said, please, reveal my dream to me and interpretation. In Daniel chapter 2. It was very interesting. And the magicians and the wise men and all of them gathered and said, Ah, king, this is a terrible request. How can you tell us to tell you your dream? You know your dream. Tell us so that we can give you interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar said, No way. I need you to tell me my dream. <laughs> tell me my dream and my interpretation. And he got annoyed. Nebuchadnezzar got annoyed. When they could not do that, he gave an order. Start killing them. Start killing all the magicians, all the wise men, all the astrologers in the kingdom. So, in Daniel chapter 2, let's go there. The reason why I just paraphrase that story very quickly is so that we can move on with our story. Look at Daniel. So, in Daniel chapter 2, the word got to Daniel. And by God's grace, he took up the challenge. Look at it, Daniel chapter 2. Let me read from verse 14. So, open to Daniel 2 from verse 14. Can, can somebody help us? Daniel 2 from verse 14. Yes. Yes, please. No, thank you. Okay. Um, to which verse? Oh, just read it from verse 14. Um, okay. Maybe you should stop at, let me see. Just 23 or verse. Um, yeah, yeah, stop at verse 23. Then, with the counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered to Erok, the captain of the king's guards, who had gone out uh, to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Erok, the king's captain, why is this degree from the king's urgent? Then Erok made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to the house and made the decision to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that he might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secrets, so that Daniel and his commanders might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the God, uh, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for his wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and now, and, and have now made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demands. Okay. Do you see what Daniel said in verse 22? It was, Daniel was thanking God. Daniel was blessing God. And he, he, he mentioned, he said something very important in verse 22. He said, talking about God, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. 
and light dwells with him. Beloved brethren, that is the God you are dealing with. The God you are dealing with reveals deep and secret things. No wonder the king of Syria was perplexed. How come? Before I even finalize a plan, <laughs> the king of Israel knows it. Why? It is simply because the God who reveals deep and secret things was the God who Elisha was having relationship with. You see, and I'm praying. You see, we are not studying this just for head knowledge. We are studying the word of God because it is applicable to us. We are studying this and we are discovering it. That the God we are dealing with is a God who reveals deep and secret things. And he does it for a purpose. He doesn't just reveal deep and secret things so that you show off. No. It's for sure. When the need arises for you to know a deep and secret thing so that you can bring the counsel of God to pass, God reveals it to you. God doesn't just reveal deep and secret things so that you can be showing off for your own selfish motive. No. Look at the situation here in, the, in Daniel. Wise men and all the astrologers in the land were, in fact, the scripture said they had already started killing them. Look at it. In verse 12 of Daniel 2. For this reason, the king was angry and was very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. were already being killed and for this killing to stop Daniel needed to know the dream and the interpretation so there was a good reason for Daniel to know the dream because Nebuchadnezzar in his wickedness had given a very very wicked decree he said since you don't know the dream and you don't know the interpretation your life is going to go for it. And Daniel, who doesn't just because of his own life, the life of him and his companions, including the wise men he did not know, God needed to save their life. So what did he do? He went to God. And God, the Bible said, revealed in verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. And I thank God. Immediately, he got the, the secret. The first thing he did was to thank God. Beloved brother, are you not learning lessons here as well? When you suddenly get success, what is the first thing that comes to your head? Is it to thank God or to jump around and say, yes, I've done it. That was why I like the way Jethro answered when we were congratulating him. 
thing that came out of his mouth was thank It's so important. Let's remember that there is no achievement. There is no no achievement that comes by yourself. It's God that gives it. So Daniel, bless God, he thank God. He didn't say yes, I've got it. He first of all thanked the Lord. When God revealed the secrets of the king, the dream, he revealed it. God, it was God that did it. And it was very interesting. Even when Daniel went king, I I I I thank God for men like Daniel. You see, this is divine lessons for our own lives. When Daniel went to the king, look at it. In verse 27 of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And he went on. He said in verse 29, As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what will come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets, remember, he said, he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Daniel was referring to God. Daniel did not even make reference to himself. He said, but as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I am more, I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for your, for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Look at what Daniel was saying. Daniel was indirectly saying, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, it is not because I'm the wisest man. <laughs> I know the secrets. It's not because I'm the wisest. This secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom. Do you see a man like Daniel, who is being humble about his achievement. It is not because I'm the wisest. It's not because my IQ is high. It's not because I'm the smartest. Daniel made reference. He kept making reference to God and not to himself. And I'm praying that this will be our own attitude. A godly attitude. That even when you have achieved something good, you will not point the thing, you will not you elevate yourself. You will not point the finger to you and say, yes, actually, it's me. You know? I know I was very smart all along. You know, I, I know my IQ is above average. <laughs> You don't <laughs> look at Daniel. He did not even boast. And to show you the effect of Daniel's humility, 
immediately he gave the king the dream and interpretation. We are going to jump now. Look at verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, posted before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering, an incense to him. Verse 47. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secrets. Daniel and pointed the limelight to God. Nebuchadnezzar had no option but to see God and not Daniel. Look at what Nebuchadnezzar said again. Truly, he didn't say, yes, Daniel, great man, good, you are the best. Nebuchadnezzar, when he decided to talk, he said, truly, your God is the God of gods, the King of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secret. And you see, this is only teaching me again. And I pray it is reinforced in your own heart as well. That once you have an achievement, or you've done something good, that people will praise you for. I pray you'll be like Daniel, who turned the limelight back from himself to God. So that at the end of the day, the Bible says, eh, let your show shine before men, so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. Glory must be to him, and not to yourself. I pray God will grant us understanding. I pray that this nugget of truth we will embrace it and run with it as principles for our own life and living. So we see there, the reason why we went to Daniel was to establish very clearly that our God is a revealer of secrets. Deep secrets. Can I just... Let's go to Job chapter 14, just to reinforce this principle, that the God we are dealing with, the God we are having a relationship with, is a God who reveals secrets, and he does it for a reason. There usually is a, a glorious divine purpose for it, it's not for sure. Job chapter 14. Let me see. I hope I, ha I have the right scripture. I thought it was Job 14. Just bear with me. Sorry, Job chapter 12. I said 14. It's Job 12. Job 12, verse 22. 
let me just read it. It says, He uncovers deep things out of darkness and brings the shadow of death to light. Do you see what God does? The secret plans of the enemy we constitute the shadow of death. The Bible says he brings it to light. All the wicked plans of the king of Syria, what was God doing? He was exposing it all to the light. He was bringing it to light. And God has not changed. The wicked devices of the enemy, all his plans and schemes, he brings them to light. He does it through his word. And I'm praying that we'll be sensitive to these things. So that we can keep working with the Lord and keep enjoying our relationship with Him. So let's go to Second Kings, please. Back to Second Kings, chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. Now, I think this is where we are going to stop. In verse 13. Look at what the king of Syria said. When he finally found out from his servants who was revealing the secrets, all his battle secrets, all his wicked secrets, he found out that Elisha the prophet was doing it the hand of God, of course. Look at what he said in verse 13. And this is where we are going to stop. And I just think it's good we give time to this verse. Verse 13. So he said, go and see where he is so that I may send and get him. That's the first part of that verse. The instruction the king of Syria gave was go and see where he is so that I may send and get him. I pray the Holy Spirit will grant us insight and understanding as we explore this verse. Do you know that this call that the king of Syria made go and see where he is that is the same call the enemy is making all the time when he's trying to get you. He's asking, go and see where he is. Where is he? Where is he in his standing with God? Where is he in his relationship with Jesus? Where is he? Is he still standing with God? Is his passion for Jesus still, still there? Is he still in the boundary of God's love? Or he has gone out to a far country? Where is he? You see this call that the king of Syria made. You know, you look at it as if, oh, he's just trying to find out where Elisha is and all that. Which is good. But beloved brethren, you know, when I read that verse 13, what jumped in my heart was, ah, so 
this same core has not changed. The enemy keeps asking, Where is he? Where are you? Are you still working with Jesus? Is your relationship with God still on fire? Are you still loving the Lord? Where is he with his devotions with Jesus? Where is he in his prayer life? Where is he in his devotional Bible study life? Where is he? And look at it. He said, he said go and see where he is. So I may send and get him. Excuse me. When you are in the boundary of God's love, the enemy can't get you. When you are on fire for Jesus, the enemy can only watch. He can't, he, even when he comes near you, you'll be burnt. Why? Because you're on fire. But excuse me, when you leave the boundary of God's love, you leave his instructions, you leave his, his, his ways, you are already a prey for the wicked one. So when the king of Syria said, go and see where he is, the enemy is always doing it. Oh, I pray you, you understand this. Do you know that this was the same call? Do you remember in Job? In, I think it's Job chapter 2. Let's look at it, please. Can we go back to Job? Sorry, Job chapter 1. When, when the Lord and Satan were having a discussion, look at it. <laughs> oh, you know, these stories, they, they, they touch my heart a lot. Look at verse 6. There was a day so Job 1 verse 6 there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them and the Lord said to Satan from where do you come where are you coming from Satan answered the Lord and said from going to and fro the earth from walking back and forth on it and I was wondering why is the devil so busy going up and down going up and down checking why is he so busy excuse me he is busy checking on all of us going up and down and what is he checking he is checking where you are in your work with God look at the bible verse 8 then the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth a blameless an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. God knew that the devil doesn't have any other job than going up and down, trying to trip and deceive people. And look at what was happening here. God knew 
And that's why God asked him a question. From all you're going up and down, have you checked out my servant Job? <laughs> have you seen him? Have you checked him? I know from all this you're gallivanting up and down, to and fro, like a lion looking for whom to devour. You are, you've, I know you've checked him. And look at verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household? Around all that he has on every side? Do you see the, the, the enemy? He too. He had gone to check out Job. He had gone to ask, Where is he? He went to check. Where is he? And he saw that Job was in the hedge, with, inside the hedge the Lord had made for him. Beloved brethren, I'm praying that you will understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. The king of Syria asked that question. Go and see where he is. Please, object. And the enemy is also asking that question. And, but let's not allow the enemy ask us ask that question. Let's ask the question ourselves so that we can put things right. Just your knees. Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Do you remember God also asked Adam and Eve this question? When they had fallen and misbehaved in the Garden of Eden, the Bible said God came in the cool of the day and asked, Adam, where are you? Beloved, this, this thing we are reading applies to us as well. And it's better we answer that question sincerely and make things right so that we can go far with God. The question is, where are you? In your relationship with God, where are you in your in your walk with him? Where are you in the matter of forgiveness? Somebody has offended you and you are still holding a grudge. You don't want to let go. The question is, where are you? Are you still within the are you still on the highway to eternity? To heaven or you are on the broad way that leads to destruction thank god you are attending bible study and i thank god for that but please can you sincerely ask yourself that question where are you because you see where are you, where you are determines how far you will go with god and that's why if your answer is to the negative, please, by the message of God, can you look at it again and come back to him? Do you know? Do you know that that question was what the prodigal son asked himself the prodigal son was in a far country 
it suddenly dawned on him. He thought, ah, look at where I am. I am feeding pigs. The son of a rich man. Feeding pigs. And I'm so hungry that even the food of the pigs is being rationed. I cannot even eat it. Nobody will give me. It was a sincere question he asked himself. As he was asking himself that way, look at where I am, in the midst of pigs. When in my father's house, the servants there, they have enough bread to eat and to spare. Look at me here, suffering. I even want to eat pig food. I can't get it. When a man is, or a woman, or anybody is not within the boundary of God's love, and you are far away, you can liken yourself to the prodigal son. What you'll be eating spiritually is going to be junk. It will not benefit your spiritual where you will end up for God. And I'm praying that we will look at it again. I know some of us are doing well by God's grace. But God wants you to go deeper. He's still asking you, where are you? You should have gone deeper with me. Why are you happy being where you are? And God is also asking you the question, where are you? So, beloved brethren, we will stop here. But it's a very crucial question, which we need to pray about and ask God to help us. We need to ask God to help us so that we can be where God wants us to be. God wants us to be close to Him. God wants us to be near Him. God wants us to walk with Him daily. Even when you misbehave, it is only appropriate for you to run back and say, Lord, have mercy. So that you can relocate yourself in the right place. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will, will keep speaking to us beyond this study. Because you see, that question or that instruction the king of Syria gave go and see where he is. We cannot overlook it. In your daily relationships, in your daily um, work with the Lord, God wants us. Like Job, you could see there, the Bible said, the enemy even attested to it. That he was a righteous man. He was a man who ran away from evil. No wonder the Lord hedged him around. No wonder the Lord covered him. No wonder the Lord was his protector. And it was not only Job. Everything he had, his household, all his dealings. And this is the same blessing that affords us as well. This same blessing applies to us as well. Yes, Kevin, you have a question. Or you want to say something? Yeah, no. Well, it is a question, really, George. I mean, yes. we all, I mean, God speaks to people in dreams and visions. And um, 
you know, we're told that we all we always in, we're always having dreams and dreams and what have you, although we don't remember them all. Where you know, what, what do we? Is there training? Is there teaching in interpreting interpreting dreams and what have you, or do we just be led straight by the spirit? Um, and uh, how do we make sure that we don't misinterpret it? I, you know, when we practice, when we practice. Um, um, God speaks to us. He has, has spoken. I only, I'll try and answer it with a scripture. God in son in past times has spoken to us, and He's still speaking to us actually in various ways. And it can speak to us through dreams. But I will say this very emphatically because um, there has been a lot of confusion in the past about things like this. God speaks to us primary through, primarily through his word. Any dream, we can only pray. If I have a dream now, the first thing I do is I pray about it. And I'm asking God very clearly, God, are you trying to say something here? And because by God's grace we have the Holy Spirit, we are entitled to ask Him and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying here? Does this mean anything? I need direction, I need insight. The same way when I read my Bible, I ask God, God, what are you saying here? It should not be different with a dream. Now, the only thing you can say is the enemy trying to, to do something there. Or the Holy Spirit can lead you accordingly. But as you pray, He can lead you by His word. But any dream, any vision, any word of wisdom that does not submit to the wholesome counsel of the word of God, please let's throw it away. On the issue of training, honestly, um, what I can say about that is training in dreams. I have not subscribed to it because I will tell you why. I just want to be, the Bible says, um, it talks about being led by the Spirit of God. Any training I want to receive has to be by the Word of God. But God does not only to dreams. So if I restrict myself to a training on dreams, what happens? <laughs> I cannot, if supposing God is talking to another means, but because it's not a dream, I might not think it's God. That's why all I can help you or all I can direct you in is you one needs to learn on how to walk with God and listen to the dreams of the Holy Spirit through his word or through other means. Because if I say, oh, let me train you on how to interpret dreams, <laughs> we are entering a straight jacket path. Because God speaks through various means. We just need confirmation by the Holy Spirit all the time. It's not only through dreams. If you give a word of prophecy now, the first question I'm asking is, Lord, what this brother is saying, is it of you? And I'm not doing it in a in a derogatory way. The Bible says, test all splits. It is wrong for it is it's not appropriate for me to just be talking now. 
and you guys are not checking and saying, Lord, what he's saying, does it conform with the wholesome counsel of scripture? Does it conform to the word of God? All of us have the Holy Spirit. To confirm and check, is this from you, Lord? So on the issue of training, I can only give that advice on training, or uh, or should I say, teach the word of God towards, or uh, um, directed at helping brethren to walk with God. The rest falls in place. Look at look at Elisha. Elisha did God's work and brought for God's counsel through many different means. He did not. But there was no particular means he used. There was a time he called a minstrel. He said, bring the minstrel to come and play. And as the man, as the minstrel was playing the musical instrument, the word of God came. It was, that was the first time I saw it. Now, does that mean that if you are, you are going to give us a word, somebody must play all the time? It is not true. So there must be is the Holy Spirit. He chooses how he wants to speak to us. But the key is for all of us to be sensitive and know how to listen to him. Yes. So what would so what would you say if a, a novice, a new Christian, has a dream? Um, what would you advise them to do? So I think it's something something more than just too much cheese before he went to bed. Yeah. You know, if, if, he, if, if he felt that there was, you know, he felt that there was something God was trying to tell him or her, yeah. what would you advise him to do? Yeah, so the first thing I would do, I would advise is for the person to know the word of God. You mentioned a novice, and I'm very particular about that. You mentioned somebody who is just new to Christ. Yeah. Yes, so I'll be more interested in him knowing the word of God and walking by the Holy Spirit. Now, if God chooses to speak to you through a gym, it's only going to confirm it, it will only confirm it by what the word of God has said. It has to be. Because dreams comes from much business as well. I've seen it several yes, dreams can come from much business. So Yes. So, would you expect them to be to come to you, or to come oh. some other elder in the church, or whatever? Can, yes, there's a place for that. Yes, there's a place for that for him to come and get counsel and advice on whatever God is trying to say to him. But Samuel did it. Samuel did not understand that it was God calling him, mm-hmm. and he went to Eli, and Eli knew. You see, thank God. That's why even as People who will be guiding people, you must always direct them back to God. Eli knew that this is God calling this young man, but he doesn't know. So immediately he said, Answer, Lord, your servant, speak, Lord, your servant is hearing. That was why, that's why you see, there is a place for people to give true godly counsel. At the end of the day, that person will know and even know God more. That was what that experience helped um, Samuel to even have a deeper relationship with the Lord. That's why the Bible said, after that time, God 
revealed himself. Oh, I like the word of God. Go and check. God said, the Bible said, God revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of God. It wasn't by voice. <laughs> you know, Samuel heard God's voice. God did not reveal himself by voice. The Bible said in that scripture, and God revealed himself to Samuel by the word. Beloved brethren, it has to be the word of God. That is the primary check, the primary confirmation, the primary, should I say, um, let me use the word habitat if I'm allowed to use the word, to always confirm or disprove whatever vision, whatever insight, whatever prophecy, whatever dream that comes. All that is secondary to the word of God. No vision must be about God's word. That's, that's the way I, I see it. Yes, please. Beloved brethren, any questions? Sorry, I remember Carol asked. Is still, still there? Yeah. Carol was asking if... Sorry, I, 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 I'm sorry. I just went on and on. I didn't pause. But... Is there any question? Dom, you have a question? There's no question. I haven't got a question there. Okay. So, I think we would, we would pray at this point. Um, but like I said, I trust that God will help us. You see, the way that scripture came to me about in verse 13 that says, Go and see. Honestly, I just felt strongly that God wants us to be in the right place with Him all the time. As we relate with Him. That even when, like I said, even when we do something wrong, please, let's run back. He doesn't want you to remain out there like the prodigal son. He doesn't want us to be out there in the far country, far away from Him. He wants us to be close to Him. And I believe the Lord will help us. So, We'll just pray about those points that we've, we've raised. Yes. Um, so we'll pray now. Sorry, I was uh, out earlier, just uh, arrived. <laughs> okay, no wonder. Jethro was... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I attended uh, my colleague uh, leaving too. Okay. So I said to the page, you just uh, joined the uh, Bible study without me. So. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 